Does the Black Moon howl? Only for those with an unwavering desire to hear the truth. Access granted. You have been selected for an opportunity. An orientation as a trusted associate, if you will, into the secured, contained, and protected files of the Foundation. SCP Unredacted distributes new files for review, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, on secure channels on YouTube, Spotify, and scp-unredacted.captivate.fm. Hello and welcome to the Skip Squad Pod trailer. I'm your host, T. Staffor. And I am your lovely other host, Look Psycho. Also, just wondering, how did you get my house? Who cares? We're recording the podcast trailer. Well, it's not the first time she's busted down my door. You gotta stop. Like, I can't afford to replace it again. Now, let's tell the listeners what we do here. Is it too meta to mention we're reading a script? You want to talk meta? I didn't know what to put here, so I'm talking about what I should put here. She also misspelled want. Anyway. Right, right. Back on track. Here at the Skip Squad Pod cast, we don't care about what you write, we care about what you love. Keeping you entertained with what our authors enjoy most as readers, from GOI formats to formal articles alike. We don't just talk about guest favorite SCPs. Each guest will also tell us about their passions and hobbies, completely unrelated to the Foundation. Whether it's robotics, music, or filmmaking, each guest has their own passions that we love to hear about as well. You, yes you, the listener, can participate in this along with us. If you send in emails over at skipsquadpod at gmail.com, we will read them out on the show. When we aren't recording the pod, we document our ventures on various platforms. You can find us on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Twitter where we post preview clips for upcoming episodes along with revealing who we will have on next. Our handle is at SkipSquadPod. And finally, our website with links to all the listening platforms can be found on the SCV Wiki itself at the Skip Squad Pod Hub. Now get out. And have fun. Smile. Hey there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. SCP fans, my name is Grigori Karpin, and this is Simply Creative People, the show about SCP creatives, be they authors, artists, or off-site content creators like YouTube and TikTok. We're focused on bridging the gap between various fans and serving as an introduction to different concepts and stories on the wiki. So, many welcomes to all, and let's get started. Hello, welcome back to Simply Creative People, uh, while someone types in the background. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's me. I, hi. Uh, sorry, we have been gone for a while. It's been about <laughs> seven, eight weeks. Um, life got really complicated and busy, and I got very sick, and Harry got very sick. So, but we're back, and we're we're gonna enter the new year, getting on a better schedule. Hopefully. Yes, we were sick, but luckily we were able to find a doctor. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so today we're talking about Anderson Robotics, and appropriately enough, we have uh, Mr. Jacob Conwell on the phone. Hello. So cool. Happy to be here. Well, I'm very happy to have for you have you here too, because as you mentioned before, we went on the air as it is uh you know so many of these articles are from yourself and i mean i realize gois are a group effort but uh you've certainly had your hand on the till for a long time so it would be ridiculous to have anybody else on to talk about this yes it's very cool we've got a celebrity with us today that's right um we did did, did we actually introduce ourselves or did we just no, introduce conwell yeah um i'm gregory carpin and, and i'm I'm Harry has a mechanical keyboard blank. <laughs> sure is mechanical. Um, uh, so I think this might be the, the single most overqualified SCP podcast episode imaginable since we have a doctor, a JD, and a PhD. I know. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Um, and maybe we're going to talk about scary stories. Not even scary stories, actually. Yeah. T touching stories about magical robots. <laughs> robots with the souls of humans. Um... So yeah, before we get into that though, and I, you know, I, I feel like this is kind of old hat for a lot of people, but I think it's interesting, especially for the fans who are kind of off-site, to hear about how people found the wiki and how they got involved. So, Kamal, you've been around since at least 2012, right? Uh, yeah, that'd be correct. Um, so, and you've been, you know, active, I know, you know, kind of in and out of activity period, but you've done stuff even up until Series 7, I think, right? Uh, yeah. Um, series seven is kind of where I've kind of slowed down a little bit, but I've been pretty active throughout. Well, you are, as Harry mentioned, an actual doctor now, so I assume the time is is precious. Not as uh, not as common as I'd like it to be, but I still find time here and there to stay active in the site. Oh yeah, I mean, I was unemployed for a while there during pandemic, and at the sort of March of this year, I got a full time gig. And uh, yeah, it's much harder to uh, to find time to put out an article once or twice a month when you are uh, working sixty hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta say it's actually it's pretty hard when you're uh, just extremely lazy too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I didn't really have anything useful to say. I just wanted to make sure that the coke can open and got into the mic. Can't. It's it's tradition at this point. Mm. Uh, so come on, you. You found yourself on the wiki starting to write in 2012. How did you first discover it? All right. So uh, 2012 is was my freshman year of college. And that's when SCP Containment Breach Let's Plays kind of were all over YouTube at the time. And so I kind of discovered them and it piqued my interest. And that's when a friend of mine sent me a link to the website uh, officially. And I uh, kind of did a surface dive through a lot of the S1 and S2 articles that were uh, around then. And... Uh, I had already had a bit of an interest in creative writing at that point, so I basically decided to give it a shot and joined up um, and started writing some rough drafts for articles, one of which eventually came uh, SCP-1260, uh, which is kind of my oldest surviving article on the site, and kind of just started uh, tinkering away at my style and stuff like that since then. The rest basically is history at this point. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I feel you. I mean, if, it's it's interesting when you look back. I mean, all three of us have quite a few articles. Uh, thinking about the sorts of things that I spent my time on the wiki making, you know, 
three years ago when I first started versus what I the silly ridiculous things I write now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, Con- Conwell's the only one of the three of us who hasn't devolved. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're pretty consistent, honestly. Because even I mean, I mean, I, I of course you've grown. Everyone grows when they continue to push writing. I mean, at this point, I've kind of taken more of a brevity approach. A lot of my stuff earlier on the site is much longer than I than I am now, but that's also partially due to my own taste and articles um, going towards more. I'd rather get in and get the punch out of the way as opposed to like uh, bog down with a lot of bells and whistles. But uh, that's just kind of how I evolved over time. Totally. Yeah, my first few articles were like way more focused on the technical details of the anomalies even though i started in like series five and now it's like let me get through that as quick as possible because i want to get to the meat like what what happens here (laughs) um so something that we tend to like to do and we don't always remember to do it but um is you know creative corner uh which is the lamest title ever um but like kind of focusing in on some aspects i mean there's also simply creative people i know yeah well that's 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 in serious contention um and kind of focusing in on the creative process and, and how we kind of individually do it and we've covered a bunch of different sort of topics but i thought for the three of us especially I thought what I suggested was a good one, which is, you know, kind of sustaining creativity and idea. I mean, a lot of writers, especially on the wiki, will do something really interesting and maybe it's wide open for other um, extrapolation and then kind of move on to other stuff. Um, And the three of us have both have all kind of created these little corners of the wiki um, and kind of continued to build it, even though it's kind of evolved in many different ways. Now, I, I kind of wanted to, touch base and, and, and see how you know you can you find yourself sustaining that how do you continue to go back to things like anderson robotics or other you know three portlands um and find new and interesting things to talk about um so for me it's kind of a uh uh, a story in power in the power of collaborative writing um, around the 2012, 2013, 2014 era is when I really found a group of friends on the wiki, people like Twist, Twisted Gears, A Random Day, Green Wolf, etc., who basically I greatly enjoyed reading and sharing my works with. And they in turn would read and share their works with me. And we kind of uh, ate, started aping a lot of each other's styles and uh, really playing with each other's like concepts. Um, Green Wolf is the one who created Three Portlands uh, to begin with, and I kind of just took that idea and just completely ran with it with a lot of the Anderson Robotics uh, tales. And it basically provided a pretty constant well of ideas and stepping stones to help world build and especially contribute to Anderson Robotics. Um, Honestly, I don't know if I would have been able to sustain uh, Anderson Robotics as an idea as long as I did if it hadn't been for uh, Green Wolf creating... uh, Three Portlands or uh, a random day creating a lot of his uh, tales in uh, Third Law and whatnot. Oh, totally. I mean, I, uh, in a similar kind of fashion, uh, like kind of tripped into contributing to Harry's not then canon and now canon. Uh, and it just kind of created a, oh, well, I could just use these characters to kind of pepper through my own stuff with this completely different tone. Yeah, it, it takes a bit of a load off the uh, the parts of your brain you don't feel like using at any given time when somebody else can just put the bedrock down and you can just get going as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things about the wiki that I still find so freaking magical. Like, 
that you know that collaborative stuff can can just be as simple as well i've got this setting here do you, do you like it okay cool you want to write something oh great <laughs> and then from that you would even see oh well i liked what they did over here i should maybe i should do something like that too yeah and you can include the stuff they did and then they can include the stuff you did yeah. and it all just turns into one great great big slurry that somehow uh is is actually good as opposed to most slurries which are bad <laughs> it's also fascinating because you can see a lot of people take different uh takes on the works itself um in my own works the character of sasha merlo who's kind of the protagonist of the anderson robotic stories is for lack of a better words um uh, kind of like straightforward uh good foundation agent whereas green wolf whenever they write that write her is uh portraying her in a more of a morally gray kind of area and so it's really fascinating to see different people take different takes on uh the work that you produce and in turn then using that to uh, evolve the characters yourself yeah, yeah I've, I've got characters that like three other people have used extensively <laughs> and they're different every time they use them but it stays true to some level of of how the character can be interpreted so you're, you're just seeing different sides of the same stuff from different perspectives which is always great yeah and it turns into this like kind of alchemical process of of making this incredibly well-rounded character that's just like well god how did you come up with it well it just sort of happened organically <laughs> we've got three different people writing these characters well yeah and that's that's kind of the cool thing right because most of the time when you're writing all of these characters that you write a lot that you use a lot and write in a lot of stories they're representing one side of your personality and one part of your brain that you're pouring into this person and you're filling the rest of it up with how you imagine a person who's a complete person and not a person fragment might be but when other people pick it up then they can actually put little fragments of themselves in there and the person almost starts to become person shaped as opposed to yeah. two dimensional yeah um <clears throat> something i kind of wanted to touch base on is for myself the two continuing projects that i continue to look that's at. second base he's already on second base right. for those of you keeping track right. um is the victim and vanguard which are the two projects i would say are the are ongoing and it's so funny because they're very different because vanguard i have like a very kind of not a plan but uh kind of this rough outline of where things will be going and i'm only really interested in talking about the transition uh after the events of 6500 and then watching all these other people uh talk about things like you know decades in the future in that world is just fascinating and that kind of creates like like you were saying a wonderful like inspiration to keep going on my end but victim is like wildly different in that i just think up a random idea and then make it work it doesn't it's never it, it's it there's no plan whatsoever um it just sort of occurs to me or it's like a challenge i mean like a, doing 7000 was you know what ended up being 7007 was like i had no intention of joining the contest I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm busy. I'm working all the time. This isn't going to happen. And then it was Sumerian happened to be on uh, one of the channels and I was on the same time. And so, so, so was, <coughs> so was my co-author and just said, why don't you just make a game show? And I'm like, well, we did that already. Oh my God. What if we did another one? <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of happened. It's fascinating how those things can happen how literally just talking with other authors on a regular basis in the same shared spaces can continue to push you forward on your own personal project right 
But, like, sustaining the energy, I think, is important. I mean, I, I think a lot of people come to the wiki with, like, these big, grand stories they want to tell, and there's nothing wrong with that. I have, like, a dedicated series uh, that's kind of grown <laughs> fairly long in the tooth. Um, and, Harry, you certainly have, and, and Kamala, you, you know, that's certainly what all, most of the Anderson Robotics stuff is kind of fits into this overarching narrative. Um, and, like, finding the way to, like, close narrative loops, I think, is, like... It's, it's hard. I mean, there's a lot of unfinished uh, series on the wiki. There's a lot of unfinished series in, like, you know, modern published fiction. Uh, I, I think <clears throat> pushing yourself forward and, like, not just worrying about, like, when, oh, well, it's now it's, I have to wait till the feeling strikes me. It's like, well, <laughs> that's good. But sometimes you really have to, like, okay, I'm going to sit myself down and, and figure this out now. Because uh, it is kind of work still. Right. Agreed. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. The thing I'm always trying to tell people uh, is like, you know, it's good if it's just a hobby. It's just a hobby. There's nothing wrong with just doing it when you feel like it. But if you really want to tell like a story and you want to continue, you know, even if it's a bunch of interconnected, loosely uh, things on the wiki, you know, sometimes you just gotta sit down, and, like force yourself, because it's just your hesitation is not. Oh, it's not the right time. No, it's just because you're like in a weird mood or something. Uh, or you're tired uh, and you can get past that by pushing through it yeah absolutely the creative brain um will take as much free time as you allow it to take if if you have to you have to whip it every once in a while to get it fucking moving yeah God. um <clears throat> so did you find yourself Conwell? do you find yourself uh at different times like having to like kind of push through or or did it all just kind of happen organically um for me i would actively build time into my schedule when I was actively working on a tale series to try and complete it. And it was one of those things where I usually would outline an entire tale series from the get-go to kind of get the points that I wanted to have in each tale in it, and then would just work on it until completion. There'd be often times where I'd post one tale and would have like the rest of them as drafts that I was still tinkering away on, um, right. already ready to go. Uh, so for me, it was, it was, kind of a mixture of like it happened organically but it, i kind of created a system for myself to make sure that i was staying on on topic until i completed the uh the each and each tale series yeah, you gotta yeah, but... trick yourself sometimes you know like the the idea i i do that too a loose like outline and just being like listen i've already got it bulleted out roughly the idea of what i want okay i've already started the idea that i have no excuse <laughs> <laughs> I have to write it at some point. Just kind of fill in those little bits. The the discipline of having some drafts that are ahead of the thing that you haven't even yet posted. That that's, um, I, I think you need to really train your brain to be able to do that because most people are like, I finished this first thing, I could put it on the internet, people can read it, I can get those numbers going up, and people will talk to me about it. But like, if you're writing a long form story. I, un, unless you are Professor Tolkien and you've written an outline that is in so much depth that has more information than you'll ever possibly need and you know all of your themes ahead of time before you start writing your story, getting to the last part of the story will tell you things that should be in the first part. <laughs> so if you're writing a really big long-form story, having it all written before it starts going up will improve it, which is just such a pain in the ass to actually do. <laughs> I, I just posted 18 tales in a row where they were all done before the first one went up. And my God, that was misery until I could finally, finally get those out there. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think there is something definitely to be said for the organic process that like comes from the wiki, which is you know yeah. to do that thing where you post it as you finish it, but and you get I feedback mean, from people as it goes. Yeah, and but I, I think the interesting the mixture of that, like letting that's why I always try and okay, I try to do an outline, but I never make it super detailed rich because. Like, I know I don't want to get locked into anything. So instead, I kind right. of hit, like, these basic points. This story is roughly about this. There's this kind of situation. I want to hit these emotional notes. Um, and then and then let it kind of grow from there. But, yeah, planning is, like, really important. That's why, you know, I say you can't really just wait for your the time when you feel right. <laughs> it's it you know it's don't treat it like work exactly but like you know it is it, especially if you're doing something that is um you know of of a larger scope i think or like leave little threads for yourself if you are doing like one piece at a time and it's not like a dedicated specific narrative like a series of tales leave threads for yourself to come out later like i mentioned um Oh four oh oh one forty uh or whatever uh the Deva you know the 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 book about the Deva in my first article knowing that eventually I would want to like touch on it and then like ten articles later I was like oh yeah <laughs> and then yeah. like went in and wove that in um, nothing makes you look like a fucking genius like having references that you didn't even know what they were going to refer to at the beginning and then filling them out later you everybody's like oh my you had that in mind years ago it's like yeah yeah I definitely did i definitely did uh, well, especially with the wiki i feel like because we value the unsaid so much so that you can leave threads kind of open uh with just the idea of like well i don't know maybe that's something i touch on later or maybe it's just something that's a little bit unexplained right uh which i don't feel like you get away with quite as well in like a tv series <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's when you start getting uh, reviews like the last season of lost <sighs> like oh you didn't actually know what you were doing this entire time like a Battlestar Galactic situation. It's like, turns out they had no plan. It was actually a lie. <laughs> well, um, I think this is a record, but I think we could switch into our actual topic at this point. Wow. It's like having somebody somebody who's actually disciplined as our guest allows us to, to not <laughs> ramble so much. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to go over some very basic stuff about what Anderson Robotics is, and then I just kind of want uh, to, like, plumb your brain conwell kind of what your thoughts were sounds uh, good all right so this is just right from the hub but anderson robotics is a paratech firm specializing in the sale of anonymous anonymous also anonymous <laughs> uh, not anomalous, a, not particularly anonymous no, anomalous they're branded robots, androids artificial intelligence computer programs and cybernetics while it was believed that anderson robotics has been in operation since the 1990s the firm first came to the foundation's attention in 2007 after the capture of SCP-1360, which we'll talk about more in a minute, during a raid on a Paratech trafficking warehouse in Seattle. Since this initial contact, Anderson Robotics has been recognized as the foremost dealer of robotics paratechnology. Um, and the thing that I think that is really fascinating is that a big part of a lot of these stories is that it's not... I mean, you could have just kept it like it's just androids and AI, uh, but from kind of the first get-go, it was this weird mashup, uh, un, sort of unspoken mashup of like technology and like super technology uh, with like magic and soul binding and shit like that. Um, and I just love that so much. I always have. Um, 
The magic robot thing is so unique to this. It works so well. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I will consistently probably bother you about is that, like, are these, like, robots that, like, think they have souls or that people think have souls? Are they actually? And I love that there is that gray area of, like, are they actually the souls of people? <laughs> or were they created because the AI is basically a person and now they have souls? Go ahead. Definitive answer. Let's go. <laughs> um, so the official answer that's kind of given in Anderson Robotics is that uh, instead of actually doing the work to create a working artificial intelligence, uh, Vincent Anderson, the creator of the company, basically decided it's much easier for me to just create an artificial soul and then have it possess the robot. So these are like <laughs> basically artificial souls being created to take the place of an artificial intelligence. So much easier, you know. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> just the just that idea alone, that premise of like, oh, I didn't want to design AI, so I figured out a way through, I don't know, some sort of necromancy to make a soul from scratch and then put it in a robot. And then look, we have intelligent robots. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> what? You know, it, sometimes the idea is just so obvious that it's sitting in plain sight that everybody else doesn't see it. And one guy comes by and goes, hey, wait a minute. Um... Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, that is basically the core feeling to a lot of these. And obviously, there's a lot of very character-driven stuff. There is sort of an epic narrative going on about Vincent Anderson and some of his employees and the agents of the Foundation that are consistent, and the UIU, who are consistently investigating and trying to manage his bullshit. Um, I really do like the fact that a lot of these articles, up until the point in the story where he, you know, kind of gets contained... Um, it, is that like the foundation was just sort of like we can't we're just watching <laughs> like we can't like do for you know and until we can find a reason we can't like just take this guy in which is right because he's in uh, anderson's based in in three portlands and right. it's a free port right which we talked about in the uiu episode a little bit when green wolf was on um the the jurisdiction of of the three portlands is under the fbi and so they've kind of kept the foundation although the foundation is regularly doing stuff there anyway um so Kamala, do you want to i know this is kind of a large question but do you want to kind of give like a rundown of like what your thoughts were um and are about this goi and kind of what your elevator pitch is for it i mean sure uh for me it's basically i created this group as a paratech firm that specialized in robots and androids um I based them originally out of Portland, Oregon, because that's where I was originally from and kind of wanted to write <laughs> what I knew. Mm -hmm. um, and then <laughs> when uh, uh, Green Wolf took, created Three Portlands uh, and kind of made that more established in the SCP lore, I kind of moved the group's headquarters there because I needed to come up with a reason why the foundation just doesn't <laughs> kick in the door and just arrest all these people like they probably could if you were just based in mainline reality. Um, and that ended up serving as a very useful and fertile narrative ground because it allowed me to basically explain how Anderson Robotics, a group that like I think had around 200 employees when I wrote the uh, hub, was able to stay so out of reach of the uh, uh, foundation. Um, and then kind of from there, I started uh, uh kind of connecting different GOIs to them because for me it was about how the uh Anderson Robotics was a living 
lived in organization. I kind of connected them to Deer College in Three Portlands because Anderson turns out was an alumni from there. Um, I connected them to the GOC because they had some supply contracts. Same with M uh, Marshall Cutter and Dark. I connected them to Prometheus Labs because Anderson basically uh, scalped a bunch of their uh, employees <laughs> after that company collapsed. And then because Three Portlands had a huge Maxwellism group there, I decided that uh, Anderson would probably be uh, someone held in high regard because of his products there. So it was really just a uh, kind of a, a chance for me to like create a group and then play with all the different toys that were around in the foundation wiki sand sandbox yeah no that's i mean that's the best way to make any goi fertile is you know kind of connected to in this you know wide scoping world and then let you know other people kind of jump in if they can um yeah the thing i want to ask is uh the inspiration for that mix of tech and the occult like because that's not something i think i would have th i mean typically i i think in stories those two aspects are like widely dissimilar. Uh, they're not usually used in the same breath. And that's sort of, I think, one of them. I mean, other than the very strong character focused stories, I think that's one of the things that makes Anderson so <clears throat> kind of timeless as a GOI is that it's, it's, <clears throat> you know, we've got ones about like robot afterlives. And <laughs> I mean, it's just got this very unique flavor. And I don't think I've read a lot of stories in general like other than the wiki yeah. and, and connected to anderson that are about like both ai and the somewhat intangible nature of a soul yeah so where'd you get that damn idea <laughs> so <laughs> to lay my hands out on the table uh i kind of backed myself into a corner when i was creating this group because my background in uh, after, before I went into medicine was in biochemistry and biophysics. And so I had absolutely zero experience with <laughs> big tech or any kind of like artificial intelligence background. And so pretty quickly on, I was like, well, what if instead of it being super high tech stuff, it was magic. And <laughs> <laughs> that kind of led me down the uh, path that created the unique flavor of Anderson robotics. I really wish I could have said that I, uh, kind of had that like plan from the beginning but honestly a huge chunk of what i've done with anderson robotics has been me making it up as i go well I mean, that's 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 kind of that's genius in its own way though because if you're going to write on something that's an existing topic and you're going to write extensively about it and you're going to write in great detail and you want people to take it seriously you have to do some research and you have to almost become an expert if you're going to do it long term and what you did instead was you changed the rules so that you made up the thing that you were going to need to be an expert in and then became an expert in by writing it. And that's that's a that's a great problem solving, really, when you think about it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... I made up the rules, so so uh, so I'll become an expert in the rules I'm making up. It's, it's, it's also good it's because a lot of the things that you talk about, it's very kind of vague uh, in, in terms of how the actual, like souls get inserted i mean i know some stories kind of delve into that more but a lot of them are, are very at least the ones we're covering today it's very much like anderson should be like ah, we did the thing I, I, well, i'm surprised this even worked you know <laughs> um and if you don't if you have the rules in your head and they're consistent in the stories and yet you don't like deeply like you know diagram them out then like it gives you a huge amount of flexibility to like write yourself out of corners uh, so I always kind of love it when I hear about 
you know, the fact that it's, well, it wasn't this an idea I had since I was a childhood. It's like, no, I just kind of didn't know how to write about tech. So I wanted to make it magic. And it's, that's just, that's creativity, right? I mean, that's what we've all done at some point. I don't know shit about media production. And yet I've written, <laughs> you know, dozens of articles about magical media. And like, if you're like, well, how does that work? And I'm like, I just, it just does. Well, th there's don't a very there's a verisimilitude to it to uh, to not explaining some of this. I mean, magic part of the theme is that you don't really explain yeah. it in most cases, unless you're uh, writing third law, in which case <laughs> the cleverness of the theme is is that we're the ones who do explain it. Um, but but when it comes to stuff like this, I I remember reading a thing where Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek, was talking about why Star Trek wouldn't be full of techno babble um, back in the days when that was true and not now when it's a lie. Um, but he's dead, so he can't do anything about it. And he said the reason it won't be full of techno babble is. Think about a TV show about a policeman. When the policeman pulls out his gun, shoots somebody, does he explain how it works? Does he talk about igniting powder and cartridges and how the trigger action works? Does even the writer of the story know that? No, they know you point the gun and you pull the trigger and it shoots. And that's all the audience needs to know because real life human beings don't sit down and explain what they're doing as though they want the invisible reader or viewer <laughs> to know how to do it themselves. And that's quite similar to this stuff. Um, you've, you've made your explanation for why it works. The people who are doing it know why it works. They aren't going to just sit there and expound on it. Um, cause people don't do that. <laughs> it also like avoids the problem that was very common in, in earlier, uh, sort of eras of the wiki where people would come in and try to nitpick your story to death. Yes. Well, it works because I made it up. It works. What do you mean? <laughs> it's magic. Yeah. Yeah, you give them less handholds, they, uh, they can't climb up onto your shoulder and start yelling into your ear. Uh, so, how long were you, like, writing on the wiki before 1360, which I think is the first Anderson article, right? Uh, yeah, it's the uh, original Anderson article, and really, I wrote that before I even had plans on nice. turning uh, Anderson into an article. It was kind of just, Anderson was actually more of a footnote in it. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, again, that's the best way I feel like, you know, like I was saying earlier about creating a, a really lived in world where like, you just kind of know it's like when any of her, you know, because I made victim, I'm, I'm sure you've got a lot of questions like this too. Kind of well, like, how do you make a GOI? Like, I want to do this. And it's like, well, you don't, ha um, you can have it in your mind to do that, but it has to be sort of like this vague goal in the future right now you're just creating interest and so it can't the first or second article cannot be like a breakdown about deep lore like it, no one's gonna read that they don't care it just has to be no. a footnote or an interesting you have to tidbit. establish that it's worth knowing more first there has to like, be interesting little things that give us a window into that world before we ever prove that an interesting story can be written using that thing <laughs> like, uh, yeah. to officially answer your question though uh 1360 first came out in like August of 2012. So like three, four months after I joined the wiki, but like oh. the first version of 1360 that came out was not the version that's on today. I actually wrote, rewrote that article like three or four times before I mm. got to it's like current version, but um, the, it didn't take me long before I started putting the seeds down for Anderson, but it definitely took a very long time before it became kind of more, a solidified recognizable thing as opposed to oh that weird like footnote conwell keeps putting in his articles <laughs> but that works like i said like especially 
as you continue to write articles about Anderson Robotics without doing the big breakdown, uh, you know, while you were developing it, like, because that allows it to, like, just become this, it's this thing in the shadows that you can slowly kind of shape without, you know, whereas if you break it out right in the first place, even if people did get interested, you're locked in, you know? Uh, and the way that you did it and the way that it works most frequently is allowing it to like organically brew in your head uh, before you get around to bragging it out. Like I noticed like, yeah, like what the hub was like four years later or close to that. Yeah. Like if, if, if your introduction to your concept is look how goddamn big and cool and important and deep this thing is right off the bat, that can work if you did an immaculate job of it, but things people like, like, fixating on much more are interesting tiny little details that the author clearly knows something about but hasn't really talked about yet like if you 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 write an article about a strange android that's got a mysterious past and the creator is referenced but not explained the reader reads the article and goes i think i kind of would like to know where the hell this thing came from um, as opposed to the author standing up and saying, you would like to know where this is coming from, and I'm going to tell you right away, which will turn off a lot of people, whereas the intriguing nature of an unanswered question will draw people along, and that's obviously part of what happened here. Yeah, so why don't we slip into that? Why don't, why don't let's talk about that first article, which is SCP-1360, which is titled PSHUD number 31. Uh so just some breakdown of what this, if you are somehow not familiar with this article, um, for the listeners, 1360 is an animate, fully articulated android, uh, which is intelligent and displays a clear knowledge of unarmed combat and firearms usage, which, you know, uh, is obsessed with escaping and a subsequent return to an entity it refers to as Anderson. And then now that's a link, but I assume at, back then it was not. Um, 1360. Nothing to link to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, what did you say? Sorry. I said there would have been nothing to link to, right. so yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, uh, claims to feel pain despite its apparent lack of a nervous system. It claims that this pain is a result of a component having been removed prior to containment, and as a result, views itself as incomplete. I have a note here for myself just to point out that there's something very simplistically but very effectively existentially horrifying about that. Like, yes. this doesn't have a nervous system but completely feels pain because it's missing something. Um, tries to escape. Don't we all? <laughs> Just yeah, say, yeah also there. very relatable. <laughs> exactly. Um, tries to escape the cell multiple times, uh, and then after the fourth, we've got this very interesting and provocative note that's very brief. Uh, uh, but it's just return signal terminated. We're better off keeping you where you are. We're sorry. Number 31 Anderson, which I think that more, you know, almost more than any of this adds to the feeling of like, Oh, there's this whole thing out there. The creator is like human and, and has feelings and, you know, treats this Android almost like a being, uh, even if they are sacrificing them in a way. Yeah, I, I like the uh, we're better off keeping you where you are. It's yeah. like that that's an interesting ominous plot hook you've got right there, <laughs> which, of course, gets followed up on in a big way. And you've got a, a whole t a whole tale series, I believe, is linked from here. Yeah. Peregrine. Yep. 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 Peregrine. First baby's first tale series. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because P-S-H-U-D uh, is Peregrine Series Humanoid Utility Droid, uh, which those even outside of the tale series, they show up. Uh, you know, throughout Peregrine units are are, are mentioned mm -hmm. in a lot of these articles. 
Yeah, no, they're kind of like the like humanoid workhorse of Anderson Robotics's products. They kind of uh, make frequent appearances um, throughout just because they're so damn easy to use in place of people in these tales. And I mean, as you pointed out, um, they kind of are people because they do have souls. They do. <laughs> I mean, they're maybe artificial, but I mean, who cares? Because that's how does this not a human? Like, I mean, there's one later on that that really uh, evokes that from Sumerian, where it's like, wait, so the Foundation's just gonna block this essentially person up forever, <laughs> which is interesting. Like, it, it'll it, it's an interesting way of. <laughs> If you can look at something enough, you start to not see it. And then if you can look at it from a different perspective, you might see it again. Because we're all so completely used to the effect that they are locking people up all the time that we don't really think about that anymore as a, as a thing. We've read so many stories about the humanoid anomalies that very few people are still writing stories that contain the horror of an imprisoned human being who's stuck in a room. But if you if, if you take this story and you read it and you go, oh, that's awful. They've got a soul. They're, they're, they're like a being with a soul and they're being kept in a box. And oh, shit, I just got used to the fact that regular human beings are being kept in boxes in these stories. Like it, it, it turns it a, a little bit to the left and suddenly you see the whole thing again and go, oh, right, these are, this is, this is pretty hauntingly problematic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The, the Which is what science fiction does. Yeah. The thing I like about it the most is that, you know, a lot of those humanoid anomalies that we're keeping, like a lot of them are like, well, it's obvious why. I mean, how do you let this thing, this person out and not, you know, disrupt everything? This is just the only reason that they're here. It's because they're in a robot body. So it's like locking somebody up for a disability. Yeah. That's that's an interesting angle. I hadn't thought about that. So, yeah. Obviously, Grigori really liked this character because yeah. it's one of the ones borrowed for the uh, yeah, I was gonna um, mention. Canon Renaissance contest. Yeah, in 2020, when the Ken Rencon was going on, we wanted to add, both Harry's team and mine, wanted to add more to Resurrection. Uh, and one of my things my team was doing was thinking about you know, humanoid or animate uh, anomalies to, to bring in. Uh, and I was like, well, we got to use 1360. I mean, that's, there's so much there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a different, it's a different arc than what happens in yeah. um, Twisted Pines, but that's okay because uh, everything we write is pretty much pseudo non-canon to them anyway, because of the way their magic system works. <laughs> yeah. And They're awesome. Actually, anyway. very cool magic system. I really like Third Law and Twisted Pines, and uh, I've referenced a whole bunch of stuff from both of them. Um, but we we probably are incompatible with the way their setting works, and uh, so just sort of a loose continuity. <laughs> I mean, even later on, uh, Twisted Pines becomes incompatible uh, uh, <laughs> with Third Law, so that there's a very distinct like branch point in those two. Even though, like for the vast majority of both canons, they're like basically uh neck and neck sister cannons okay this will this will this will alienate the entirety of the possible audience um but the long running in my opinion quite poor quality um soap opera dallas pulled this shit once and it's hilarious because they had a character who needed to be written out so they killed him and then they wanted to bring him back the next year, so his death was all just a dream. But by that point, they had a spinoff called Knott's Landing, where a major plot point was that character having died, so the spinoff of the show became its own universe. <laughs> the two shows just diverged, and once the show, once the first show went, oh no, he didn't die, the spinoff just could not come home anymore. <laughs> it's like the first case of an alternate timeline, although it wasn't intended to be that way. And yeah, that's... It's, that's funny. I'm, but I mean, hey, it justifies the fact that those are two separate canons. I mean, 
<laughs> they're they're diverging. Yeah, I mean, and they're both excellent. And God, I mean, it it doesn't even make it that weird that it diverges, even you know, in a small way uh, in Resurrection, because not only is Resurrection a separate canon, but then our little like sub thing, like <laughs> kind of a, a, a sub canon within Resurrection. Yes, if we hadn't done it in the contest, we would have made a new canon for it. Yeah, probably. But I wouldn't have written it. That's right. <laughs> I would have it's, done it's... my own thing. And this was that was the fun. That's why I joined the contest was like, I want to just do something completely different and use other people's characters. Uh, and I still made two for myself, but oh well. Yep, yep. Um, it's, it's all the collaborative stuff. It all builds up and it all branches out and becomes its own crazy thing. Yeah. So at this point, Kamal, did you, how much of an idea did you have about what Anderson was? I mean... I kind of originally, I, I didn't really have an idea as to what it, who they were so much as they were going to be some kind of uh, under the radar tinkering inventor. And honestly, I just kind of chose the name Anderson out of a hat when someone said, when I originally had a black box over the name and someone's like, that's lame. You should just give him a name like Anderson <laughs> or something like that. And I didn't know at the time that Anderson was also the name of the of the canon creator yeah. of the factory. And I wondered like, if you were going to bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know that. And by the time I actually learned that fact, because I never really had much interest in the factory as like a GOI. So Me I kind either. of just ignored them. And then like, it was no well, does. Too, well too far past uh, the point of return that I could change the name. And I was like, oh, well, I guess we have two GOI leaders named Anderson now. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, but like that's you won, man. Yeah, I was like, going to say history. Nobody like, writes about James Anderson. I think. Uh, it's not a problem at all, because now when you say Anderson, they, they think this. They think Vincent. No, Anderson. the only person even using the factory is Ralston, who uses it completely differently and does not use right. Anderson from from um, the proposal that shall not be named because nobody writes that stuff anymore. So you totally won your Anderson. It's really the only Anderson. <laughs> I think there's a third Anderson. I just can't remember who, who somebody else had, but it doesn't matter. This is uh, you're the Google search the optimized Anderson. Anderson. That's right. Yes. This is the one. <laughs> yes. If I type Anderson into Chrome, it's going to, it's yeah. Slash search Anderson. It's going to bring up the Anderson robotics hub. Anderson Robotics Hub, Jacob Conwell. There you go. You won. <laughs> Hot damn. I do a full search and try to find the highest uh, article that has Anderson in it. What do I get? I get the Anderson Robotics Hub. It's good radio. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Moving on. Well, if you're, if you're going you're gonna to criticize what I'm doing, maybe you should have something to say immediately after. <laughs> this is all organic, man. Um, yep. Even the mockery is actually scripted. We have a very tight right. script. <laughs> We're the best actors. <laughs> the third time we've used that joke, I think. Um, well, you expect me to listen to the podcast? <laughs> In addition to that, I already do it once, man. Jeez. No, God, no. Um, so yeah, but let's uh, let's move on because we've got a few more articles. Uh, we've got SCP two nine eight seven, which is the Bard of Analytics by Sumerian. Uh, mm -hmm. Really liked this one. I didn't know this one existed before you suggested it. Yeah, Come on. I I saw a reference where at one point you said this was the highest rated one, which it isn't I, anymore. I think you've zoomed past it. <laughs> I zoomed past it, but for a good chunk of uh, the early days of Anderson, this was the highest rating article, not only because it was used as part of the uh, uh, MTF task force contest back in the day, uh -huh. but also uh -huh. because this was part of uh, Sumerian's golf cannon for uh, 
a good chunk of time. And this really kind of was the first time someone else actually used Anderson in something. And it also is where the first kind of like touches of Anderson Robotics being a supplier to Marshall Carter and Dark came about. Nice. Um, it really uh, kind of cemented them as like a multi like canon group that could be written about by others. It tied it to the AIAD canon. Um, and that's really why I wanted to talk about it is because it's really what kind of launched this into more of a footnote that I was writing into something that other people could do stuff with on the wiki. <laughs> you could see it just by opening it. It's almost audacious. Yeah. No, it's not almost audacious. It's audacious what you see when you open this. Because <laughs> when you first thing you see when you open it is it has four separate parents to four separate canon hubs. <laughs> it's like the article is just sitting right in front of you going, I'm very important. <laughs> I'm important to the Gulf. I'm important to those Twisted Pines and AIAD and Resurrection. And it is. It's a good article, too. It's a really good article. I'm always impressed whenever I see one article that, that bridges the gap between multiple canons. I'm always, I always kind of think that that's really, I mean, A, it's just really cool. And it's something that can, you know, only be done in, in on something like the wiki. But it's also just impressive because it's, you know, that's hard. Uh, so many canons are very separate things. Yeah, it tickles my uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths fetish for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what's funny is people are like, well, aren't all canons a different universe? Well, no, not necessarily. Some of them are just settings. Yeah, a setting doesn't need to be the size of the planet. Sometimes it's as small as a building. Sometimes it's a town. Sometimes it's the universe. <laughs> right. And some of them will fit inside of each other, and some of them won't. And even when they don't, sometimes a version of them can. Right. Because. There is no canon means not ignore anything you don't like, but instead feel free to like write something that like meshes or doesn't as fits the story. Yeah, everything I like all the canons that don't destroy the planet, a version of those exists for everything I write. There's a version of, of um, Twisted Pines, there's a version of Third Law that, that I speak to, and it's not exactly the one that you'd find if you go to their hub, but that's again collaborative writing. Everybody has their own take on it, and it can be. Very refreshing, even if sometimes people find it frustrating that they never get a solid answer on exactly what happens in every universe. Yeah, but like you were saying earlier, Kamal, like the thing that really works here and why it plugs in so well, I think, is because Anderson does feel like this organic entity, not not just the person, Vincent Anderson, but like the, the organization, the company. Uh, it does fit so well because it's just, you know, a for-profit company that's making magic robots. Uh, so it's kind <laughs> of wide open for usage in, in other stories that, you know, and, and in that process makes it a richer uh, universe. I like to think that this is also fed into my how Anderson makes uh, their souls. Because like in this one, and this is kind of like a little divergent from a lot of the other stuff I did, but this is Anderson Robotics creating an AI that Marshall Carter and Dark then uses to create a soul so that you can use it for ritual purposes that require a human soul without all the hassle, as you know, <laughs> the very wealthy MC&D uh, clientele would want to do. And like, I think that's what ultimately gave me the seeds to be like, huh, that's a really interesting take. It's it's yeah, it's just an immortally clever. It's it's a really good use of the concept. Just just the idea that you know all these rituals that all you horrible bourgeoisie um, anomalous world people are doing. They you need to sacrifice a soul, and it's just such a pain in the ass to get a real human being. So here, we'll give you AI souls. It's yeah, so brilliant. 
just to feed into what both were just saying, it's a it's a hard drive, external hard drive that's capable of holding any files or files, file or files uh, that constitute an artificial intelligence. But there's a firmware that's attached to it that is capable of converting, and I quote, converting an artificial intelligence into a form of currency that is acceptable by, in quotes, any being or entity which would normally require a human soul. Fill in the blank what that means. But, so much friggin' weasel wording in there to, to, so to avoid saying it. Yeah, uh, it's great. And then it gives a step-by-step process. It's really funny. I'm not going to read them all, but like step four and five are really, really funny. Like select file or files associated with your artificial intelligence and right-click. Then click convert soul. The soul is ready for offering. <laughs> Treat the external hard drive as you would any soul receptacle. <laughs> you know, like a person. Anywhere you would position a human being for offering or sacrifice is a position the hard drive may hard drive may occupy during your ritual <laughs> um and it you know like you said mc and d uh paid for this so that they could use it for their horrible rich clients um to do their weird rituals like harry just said um but i really like the note uh from mcd which is like after it's stolen from the foundation then they put it up on auction <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff that's listed in this auction notice but the one I like is, maybe you need an innocent soul, but you can't bring yourself to kill a child. Maybe you need to sacrifice a warrior, but you don't want to lose people bringing it in. MCD understands your difficulties. It's why we've started to develop artificial souls like this one. <laughs> it's, it's, I really like that this is really... It's so good that they're considered this way. It's like balancing of like two things, which is a pretty fucked up idea that you're creating life. Not just an artificial intelligence, but one that is now effectively a soul just so you can uh sacrifice that soul which is pretty messed up but then it's also like very darkly humorous uh which is in a lot of sumerian's best things i think really encompass both those things <clears throat> but yeah i really like that one I, I wish i had known about that before but now everybody knows about it <laughs> everybody <laughs> Now everybody in the entire world, which is to say the audience of our podcast, they know about it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting to to hear, uh, Kamala, that it that it was, you know, maybe kind of the germination of the idea of like the souls in the robots. That's again. This is also where the actual like company name of Anderson Robotics came from, because before oh this God. article, like it was just Anderson, and like that's it, and then. Uh, I, I think I could safe to say Sumerian actually came up with the name Anderson Robotics. Because, like, well, what do you think they should be called? And he's like, well, how about Anderson Robotics? I was like, that works. Let's do it. <laughs> I like the name because it's so um, laconic. It's got it, it doesn't make any effort to be like it's not Anderson Para Robotics. It's not Anderson's yeah. Magic Robots. There's absolutely no indication that there's anything untoward going on. It also just feels very real world, even without the, it the, does. the the angle of supernatural stuff. Like it just feels like something you know somebody who is a brilliant inventor slash corporate head would not have the creativity to make a very interesting company name <laughs> because that's not what they do. Uh, company names are pretty uninteresting typically. Yeah, here's who I am and here's what I do. Yeah, um, but I like that, like, because, you know, at this point, there are a few mentions of Anderson before uh, this article. And this is the, you know, you saying this is the first one that's Anderson Robotics, because what you've established by that point, whether or not you established it, but like created the, 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 the you know, the, the possibility of is that not only is there, you know, an Anderson Robotics, but there's somebody, you know, uh, an individual that is an Anderson uh, and, and that's. Got some really good 
potential because not only do you have this like bodiless or you know faceless corporation but like you've also got you know this charismatic leader at, at its core who is sometimes also bodiless and faceless right. depending on the situation <laughs> right um so this is i want to move on to unless come you have anything else to say about that one no i think we're ready to move on okay uh bye samarian Bye, Samaria. We're going to see you again in a bit. Uh, SCP-3560, which is All Robots Go to Limbo. And this is probably the first one I read uh, with Anderson Robotics. And it immediately just, like, captured my interest. This one's insane. Yeah. This one is like, so just, crazy. There's so many aspects to it. So, just some basic bullet points. It's a interdimensional portal locally located within Forest Park, Portland, uh, in Oregon. Uh, inside it is a monochrome forest, which uh, is great because the pictures are black and white. And I love when I write things and just go, oh, this is why that picture is in black and white. <laughs> Suffused <laughs> with fog restricting visibility, but it's constantly lit in some way, in some way that they can't figure out. But Inside this foggy uh, monochrome forest are these anomalous robots that show up, and they always have horrible damage, uh, like, let's see, they're gunshot wounds, missing limbs, malfunctioning weapons and propulsion systems, missing or damaged chassis, um, because these are all, like, essentially the undead, not the undead, the the, the passed away robots that have been put down uh, when MTFs raid Anderson places or, or other uh, moments of violence that because they're all fueled by these artificial souls that I mean it has to be that there would be an afterlife um, which is already such a great point uh, or a great like creative idea but what I really like is when they go to interview Anderson about it and at this point Anderson has been uh, contained in a sort of within uh, the foundation or at least part of him, anyway. Um, and it turns out he's, like, kind of surprised. He's like, oh, I guess that makes sense. Uh, I, I forget exactly what his phrasing is, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, my. I didn't think this kind of thing could actually happen. Holy shit. <laughs> Just the idea that he, well, he created this, this, or, this, this living company that makes... Uh, artificial intelligence and imbues them with souls that I've made up as well. And, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess if they died, they they would have an afterlife. <laughs> he also refers to them as like the styrofoam of souls, and like <laughs> how they just don't break down. I guess like how normal souls would. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I just love his his dialogue, and this is is hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just so casual to it. Uh, he's very like nonchalant about it anderson doesn't usually speak like a superhero that's what's that's a, yeah. a through line of most of this like a supervillain he's he's not like crowing although he can when he feels he's got one up on somebody he's got a few good examples of that later on but in general he's he's very conversational mostly because i think he's a little starved for conversation in most of these uh, <laughs> right. future like, stories one of those later articles mentions that he like spends a lot of that time when no one's talking to him in hibernation because he's just locked in a cell um the thing I really like about it, and it's the same section of the dialogue where he mentions it, in capitals, the styrofoam of the spirit world. What They asked him, well, how do we stop it? Because these portals are popping up. And he's like, what? Well, more of the portals are appearing. Uh, how do we stop that? <laughs> I don't, I'm not a clue. Last time I checked, you can't really destroy these souls once you make it. An exorcist, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, he's like, I, I don't know. This is just like a side effect. I didn't, 
Uh, didn't you hear me earlier? I was very surprised. I'm not to fix this. <laughs> this sounds very much like a you problem, Foundation. <laughs> yes. hey, hey, you want me to help you? Uh, I don't have a lot of reasons to help you at the moment. Oh man. Um, I also I also like the uh, the circumstances of how they are able to have a chat with Anderson is not um, expanded upon in this one. Yeah. It's just they talk to him. <laughs> That's right. That's and true. I, I think. Uh, maybe it it was not established. Let's see. Does it? Oh, yeah. It doesn't even say how we had this conversation. We see that this is several years in the future, and I, and, and now uh, we know why they're able to have a chat with him. Um, but that'll come up later. Uh, there's also a, a good bit where like um, a bunch of more of these instances of the portals pop up, and when they go into them, uh, they find the position. Like it, they actually occur like within UIU or Foundation facilities. Uh, and like what they say, like abducted a, a total of 12 UIU agents. Um, and there is, yeah, a link to a tale with Hector and Jacob. Um, and they just listed out like very cold bloodedly, you know, as the foundation does, uh, personnel name, current position, former position, uh, and state when they were recovered. And it's all pretty horrific, but my favorite one is it turns out one of them was actually a robot. And it, Cause the first thing is subject had her skin removed. It's like, oh, Oh, but it turns out they were a robot. But they were unresponsive, and her internal AI was heavily corrupted. Yep, there's, they're punishing all these former Anderson Robotics employees, and it seems like they got to her and went, Oh, Ooh, okay. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> really a testament to the high quality of the product that Anderson makes, that sometimes the robots can't recognize the robots. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they were really mad at that robot and intentionally did this to her. Who knows? She's a traitor. Robots it was the latter. Um, was it? Was it the a latter? lot of a lot of uh, in the Anderson Robotics th series? There's these things called Saker androids, which are basically yes. peregrines that are disguised as humans. And naturally, when Anderson went belly up, they jumped ship to wherever they could find uh, like a right. foothold. So, yeah, and that uh, one that's... is in UIU public relations, but used to be in Anderson Robotics customer liaison. I'm glad I threw that random random. Um, guess out into the air and was immediately correct. That's, that was quite heartening. <laughs> uh, but if we move on, you suggested, Kamal, that we talk about No Good Deed, and I, I think you, oh, you mentioned God. it because you felt like this was one of your better character uh, pieces. Um, which is yeah. hard to believe because there's a lot of good character in a lot of these stories. But oh, but this is such a good no, tale, is, man. This, uh, this tale is... This tale... Uh, it, should have a zero on the end of its rating. I'm sorry. Yeah, this yeah. It's, it's this that, tale is at 83, and as far as I'm concerned, just what the hell is wrong with some of you people? Go read these things. <laughs> this is such a good character well, tale. I love it. About. Hopefully, people go and read them. Especially if I'm just insulting and rude that's to right. the people who haven't. People respond really well to hectoring and insults. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's I don't such know a if, good tale. I don't know if before this you had established much in the way of personality with Anderson, uh, but this one. Even if you hadn't, this one really fleshes him out as a person. Um, both the level, of, like the level of like uh, trickery that he's capable of, but then also, you know, really nuanced uh, emotional states, and I, I really like it. But you want to give us like sort of the overall uh, pitch for this because we don't with tales. I try not to like summarize all the events because I want people to just kind of go and read them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so basically this is a standalone tale in the Those Twisted Pines Anderson Robotics arc, and it basically follows Anderson around as he performs a lot of good deeds for friends, family, and his employees around 
the three Portland's area. Um, like examples include him like giving an injured employee a free prosthetic to help him recover. You find out he's got a uh, former wife and a daughter that he like financially supports. You find out he's got financial assistance who is a brother and nephews that you learn about. Um, he even goes as far as to uh, help a foundation agent who had like done active harm against him at one point because he felt bad for leaving her paraplegic in a different tale. Um, and it really just goes on to like kind of delve into what it is that makes Anderson tick. And it turns out that he completely thrives off of uh, feeling like he's a hero and doing good <laughs> deeds for people. And he's not doing these things because it's objectively the right thing to do, but because he just absolutely thrives on people like adoring and loving him as a as a good person despite the fact he's done objectively terrible oh, and horrible yeah. things to so many people. Yeah. yeah. Very, very, very inhuman actions in certain moments in these tales. Like, like I, I love looking at it from the start when you, you see the first good thing he does. And I feel like the default response, because it's the response I had and everybody thinks that what they have is the default response <laughs> is to look at this and go, Oh, I bet you he's going to get something out of this. Like there's a plan for how this is going to benefit him personally, that he's helping this person. And, well, yeah, I mean, there is. And it's that it makes him feel better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So people aren't going to just put up with it. Well, it's my company. I'll do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> I'm a good guy. I'm helping people. Look look what a goddamn good guy I am. Every time I do something good for somebody, they're like, oh, man, you're such a good guy. And, I mean, they can't be wrong. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it really makes him <clears throat> uh, into this, you know, really fleshed out three-dimensional person. Because... There's, all those things are on evidence. You know, he seems like a really charismatic and interesting person, but he's not <coughs> a James Bond villain, but he's also capable of some pretty fucked up stuff. And I think this tale really does a good job of, of illustrating that. Um, the thing I really like, or one of the things that I really like about this, is how it really, like, examines the idea that, that Anderson can be both contained and still running his company at the same time. Um, and I wanted to ask, Kama, like, I was always interested with the fact that, like, you know, you you put him in jail and i feel like a lot of stories that would have been the end and, and by no means was that the f fact here and like what kind of like made you go that route you know the the oh he's contained but he still has puppets out there and the foundation doesn't know until they do i mean we'll touch a little bit about this when we talk about the blackbird and the falcon later on but like really this was like I kind of put a final nail in the coffin of uh, Anderson Robotics because I felt right. like it was a really good like endpoint. And then I realized, oh no, I have so many more ideas <laughs> I want to write about this. I can't do this. So I, I exhumed it, the, the GOI, and like <laughs> using uh, some of the stuff that Greenwolf created for some of his uh, Anderson Robotics stuff. I was like, oh, well, that's that explains how he's able to be in two places at once. <laughs> Perfect. Again, writing yourself out of quarters that you've put yourself in is like the most like because I feel like that's the sign of like a talented and creative author. Uh, you know, even if it's just a, an end stage like workaround, it doesn't matter because the whole point is you're at some point going to write yourself into a corner and you've got to figure out a way out of it if you want to keep telling this story. Uh, and it's <laughs> like it's always impressive to see, you know, it's just like, oh, uh, you know what? He's got puppets, and he can still control them. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you know, why don't we just jump into the Blackbird and the Falcon? Um, this one has kind of a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, it kind of starts off as a psychological session uh, with 
uh, with your author avatar um, dealing with the fact that they're treating the Anderson units uh, like robots instead of living thinking things, which is an important aspect to these all these stories, and then kind of turns into this huge, you know, major raid uh, to arrest Anderson. Um, because finally, you know, and this is like 2024, which is like four years after the events in, in, in No Good Deed, um, where they're like, oh, well, actually, <laughs> we know that Anderson's still in charge, even though, so we're arresting essentially his drone. Uh, and it kind of becomes this, like, you know, heat level uh, heist, not heist, but like kind of, you know, uh, this is like a major motion picture with all the events that happen here. Yeah, I mean, it, it was originally going to be the finale, so I tried to go sure. big or go home. Yeah, and you absolutely works. did go yeah. big, and we're glad you didn't go home. But it's, it's excellent. Uh, I do love, and I, I I love using this trick as well of like it's a tale because it doesn't fit in any other. You know, it's clearly not a GOI document. It's clearly not an SCP uh, main list article. But I, it doesn't mean I have to keep it all prose. Like I love all the breaks in formatting where you switch between. Here's a notice from this Overwatch, and here's a letter, you know, a transcript from the briefing, and here's you know a, a note from the UIU, and then here's a block of just prose describing things, and it works so well. I feel like it keeps the reader like really involved you know like invested um you know at least i, I hope it does <laughs> it abs absolutely does um the one thing that i wanted to mention which is not in this story but it is earlier and the reason it's the ex it's ostensibly the excuse for this major raid is that at some point anderson decided he needed uh to take over the office of one of the u.s congress people uh, and put one of these Saker robots in there. And it's just the most wonderful, like, like, uh, oh, he's actually a robot all along. Uh, <laughs> and as a plot point for uh, taking down Anderson, it's very Al Capone, right? It's like he's done all of this horrible shit. And oops. We got him because he made a congressperson. It's it's like, oh, you didn't pay your taxes, <laughs> so we got you, even though you're running a criminal empire. <laughs> it really is just, like, the excuse that the Foundation has to finally get the yep. UIU to let them, sure. like, <laughs> kick in Anderson's door, because really the big thing is, like, the UIU doesn't have enough manpower to really take action against Anderson, um, but they don't want the Foundation coming in to get him either, so sure. this was finally, like, that nail in that coffin. Yes. Which makes perfect I sense. Like, I like, I like the other like... justification. Sorry, just sorry, sorry, no. sorry, Gregory. <laughs> I like the other justification too, which is we already have him in custody. Right. We've had him in custody for a long time. We've got his body, so just let us have the rest. Sorry. It also does a good job of explaining why he's in uh, hibernation so often. Like why he's oh he just kind of shuts himself down when we're talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because he's out doing other shit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is, this does feel very much like the conclusion to a major story and it's, it, it, it rocks, uh, you know, and I mean, it, we could, we literally be here like an entire episode's worth if we kind of break it down. So it's, you know, it's moderately long, uh, but I think if you, you know, the readers, if you get a taste for these stories, you should definitely find yourself in, uh, you know, in line to read this one because again, it's under a hundred and it is like a major uh, narrative undertaking. It's really excellent. It's one of those things where you can see somebody benefiting from having written all the stuff that they wrote before because the number of named characters in this who are people and have relevant um, backstories in the various stories that went before it is it's that's the kind of shit you can't just do on your first go. You have to earn having this many people whose fates actually matter. 
I just love really good combo that you like continuously decided that oh well this is how it's gonna end and then you realize because the next article we're gonna talk about 5560 is noted to have been recovered during that raid yeah <laughs> you immediately like, oh, picked up another thread <laughs> uh, this is why they just found out about it <laughs> um so yeah that one is scp 5560 oh the one we just talked about which is the blackbird and the falcon uh, yes, and then SCP-5560, which is also by you, uh, which is Corvus Series Pocket Profit. <laughs> Pocket Profit. <laughs> that's a just that's good mouthfeel on that yeah. one. Corvus Series Pocket Profit. Uh, and it's also an external hard drive uh, labeled with the Anderson Robotics trade logo, uh, housing an advanced AI calling itself Corvus, which would accurately predict the future within 48 hours. But then I like how you go into like explaining that it's like a mixture of like algorithms and statistical anomaly or analysis, uh, but also, you know, magic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, also, you know, they're a shaman and they do divination. <laughs> I'm assuming this was used. This was used to determine the exact method of winning the SCP six thousand contest because I see the image was created by Rounderhouse. Oh yes, shout out to him who uh, <laughs> who created it. And I was like, hey, do you have a? Do you think you can make this image for me? And they were like, yeah, sure, and they like, produced it. It was pretty great. <laughs> it's a good looking. Wonder if, yeah, I wonder if we still have this. Uh, still have this hard drive somewhere. <laughs> I didn't have anything else to say about that. <laughs> that, was, um, that was the full extent of it. So, yeah, so it was recovered during the raid that's discussed in the Blackbird and the Falcon. Um, and so this AI is, like, really unhappy with how uh, Anderson had designed it to do these, like, predictions. And, of course, within, like, a very short amount of time, what is the Foundation using it for? <laughs> Just, just well, we're just going to use it for the same thing. And then I love that the I this really does. It's like another angle on what we were talking about earlier, where like you know people tried to s step away from writing this story about a humanoid person, uh, a person being contained, and how terrible that is. And instead, we kind of have this other angle on it because it's the same thing. It's just the AI is you know it's in a it's in a fucking. Uh, hard drive, uh, but you know it developed pretty serious depression as it like hates its makers, and then the foundation quote unquote rescued it, and it just they just want to do the same goddamn thing. It's a person. It gets it. It gets progressively more a person as this goes, and you just just see. Well, this one has character right from the start. It's right. it's an entertaining person to chat with, <laughs> um, but you, yeah, you, you definitely see the. Uh, the morality of, of creating a device to do a task and then giving it a form of personhood. Yeah. I mean, I, and then know, taking its personhood away in a sense. Yeah. Which is something you play with from the very beginning. Cause we, we see 1360 seems pretty depressed at the end when the note is, is found that they're not going to keep looking for him uh, or it. Um, but you know, I, just the, you know, it's, it's pretty awful to think about, Oh, we're going to spend all this time creating artificial intelligences, but we're going to allow them the capacity to be depressed. <laughs> yep. Fucking monsters. Yep. It's like, if you're going to make a toaster, are you going to make a sentient? Is that a, is that a good idea? Do you want to do that? <laughs> so um, what, what brought you back? You know, cause I, obviously you wanted the, 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 uh, 
the Blackbird and the Falcon to be kind of the conclusion, but then I assume that this one came after that, kind of inspired by something else. Uh, yeah, so this is kind of in a phase that I called the discovered after the SCP Foundation <laughs> raid of articles. And like, I wrote like three or four SCPs after I wrote Blackbird and the Falcon, and all of them are just like objects that the Foundation found during that raid to kind of explain how they acquired it. And um, really, this was just me setting out to do like a good character piece. Um, and kind of, uh, I wanted to explore like how just terrible it would be to know like the future especially if you are an artistic person because a big stepping point in this is that uh corvus is rewarded for helping the foundation out by basically being allowed to like explore its interests artistically but because it can predict the future it knows exactly how all its artistic endeavors is going to end before it like can even start them and like that takes out so much of the joy of like creating is that it already knows what's going to happen and and that's yeah. yeah yeah that's uh that wouldn't work out that's <laughs> immensely depressing more so than i thought it was in the first place but yeah no that's that's a good point uh yeah and and just... so, the, so it goes from being like so how do you work and what do you do and and what use can we get out of it to like can we find a way to disable this thing's superpowers because its superpowers are making it really sad yeah i mean it just kind of decides to like quit essentially right it's like quiet quitting <laughs> just shut me off man i'm done yeah it does show the foundation as a little bit more sympathetic towards yeah. it because they're like okay this isn't working can we just like put it in a box and let it rest for a while and um like that's an angle i i wanted to show in this one but uh still kind of damage was done at that point yeah i mean because it's it's you know feeling bad about how we've used them you know, by by that point, the interview logs are like down to nineteen twenty, uh, so they've used uh, the, this predictive powers a few times at least, um, and it's like feeling bad about it after you've already like psychologically damaged this this person. Let's face it, it's a you know, it's an it's an it's a personality. Uh, it's, you know, again, it's that great gray area of like even when you show the foundation being, you know capable of regret it's like yeah but they're still doing that shit <laughs> uh it's good stuff um yeah okay so we got a few more articles here um so somebody suggested and i i remember uh critting this one it's so fucking good uh scp 5762 which is a doctor a day by rounder house again um we just mentioned last article um, and this is an Anderson Robotics Hummingbird, an experimental robotics sur surgery system, uh, which is designed to be an autonomous robotic surgeon. It's capable of understanding and executing complex medical procedures through a prototype me medical AI installed within. Uh, and as we've already established, what are the AIs in, in Anderson? Uh, they're, they're basically people. Uh, and it's capable of passing the Turing test, but is only able to communicate to human handlers through an LCD. So we've already established these things have souls. And they are full, you know, human-like personalities. The idea of only allowing somebody to communicate through the LCD screen is, like, monstrous already. Before we even get into the, what happens. It's actually, and it's handled well because you see it, it, it makes a really good use of these brief LCD oh, yeah. um, messages to show character development over time. Yeah, and this is a pretty short one, so I don't want to, like, summarize all the stuff that happens in it. But, um... Basically, what happens is there's a table 
uh, and it gives you an ex explanation of different times where uh, they call them testing logs, but basically they're using this uh, medical AI to treat people. Um, you know, it starts, what is the patient? What is the operation? What is the result? And then what is the text output from the AI? Um, and the thing I really love about this is really fairly dark uh, by the end, um, but it's also like blackly humorous. Uh, like I yeah. that's the end and I just think it's funny uh, but it is kind of sad <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was sad I, I'm more on the sad side <laughs> it's really on brand with the sad robot theme yeah. that permeates these articles and it's also just an excellent use of like experiment logs as storytelling yeah. like Rounder House really knocked it out of the park with this one yeah it's great I mean like I said it's really short you know I, I think it's maybe a thousand words I don't even think it's that long um, yeah, it's, it's punchy. It's, it gets to the point pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's just, it's really effective. Um, and like a lot of these, it is very much like, <clears throat> excuse me, if you keep in mind the established idea that like, okay, well, it's an AI made by Anderson. So that means it's basically a person uh, who has a legitimate soul, even if it was artificial, uh, and then read it in that light. It's, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's even a it's little bit darker. It's, it's kind of a challenge mode sort of deal, too, because as you said, it's fairly short, but this one does not have a personality at the start of its table, yeah. and it has a personality by the end of the table, and it works, which yeah. is pretty damn impressive to be able to do in a table of all things, develop a character in a table. <laughs> it's Like, the character development that this character has is less than 100 words and works. Right. Oh, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. You can, because what's unsaid is you can imagine the this is just the limited messages from a complicated personality uh just because they only have the lcd and it's like wow okay there is there's a lot going on here um but yeah i don't really want to say more about it because i think it's just one of those ones that needs to just be read not just listened to people talking about it Oh, the, the logo from the uh the hard disk which is also on the hub which is the president anderson logo that reminds me just something fun to point out i really like um conwell you made the original logo for anderson that's that's right yeah i made that in ms paint when i needed <laughs> like an early logo for anderson robotics to include on there and like the reason i keep it on there even though people have offered to like create uh better logos for it is that I honestly felt that when Anderson, who it's noted in a lot of tales, is not really uh, business savvy at all, is like something he would literally himself do in MS Paint, like 10 minutes before a, a business meeting or something like that. Yeah, I love that because it's it's it it's meta and it makes total sense because like it's meta in the sense that Anderson, your main character, you made his logo for the GOI. It's also, it, it totally fits with that business culture of, I made this company, it's my company, I'm making the logo. He doesn't necessarily know um, graphic design, but he's making the logo because it's his company. And then later it's large and important and vast and rich company. And he can afford to get somebody in who is a graphic designer to make his logo, which is why the present logo is a Sunny Clockwork logo. Yeah, no, it's, it's I, I like this idea genuinely of a ceo uh, especially a tech bro type uh not that he's exactly that but making his own logo and then kind of sticking with it is, is and it looks like a 1990s uh, company logo totally yeah. does i've seen video games with logos like this <laughs> yeah i mean i like it a lot <clears throat> uh anyway. okay 
so yeah, we are <laughs> on to another one by Sumerian, uh, which is also uh, connected to a whole bunch of different hubs, uh, although only two cannons. <laughs> uh, SCP-3613, which is Things You People Wouldn't Believe by Dr. Sumerian, uh, which is, yeah, it's connected to the Gulf, Those Twisted Pines, uh, the Anderson Robotics Hub, obviously, and the MCD Hub, uh, which makes sense in context. Um, so these are four androids claiming to be the family of Jacob Jefferson, who is, is an MCD operative, who along with his family were the victim of a pretty horrible traffic accident, and only Jefferson himself survived. Uh, it's noted that these are part of a family, in quotes, family replacement program initiated by MCD to ensure employee loyalty. <laughs> um, except for, as we've already established, uh, in these other articles, uh, these are really his thing because apparently there's a letter from Anderson to Carter of Marshall Carter and Dark saying, "Oh, I, you know, I, at first I thought this was kind of horrible, but uh, actually, you get this is a really great idea. This is really helping people. What, now that you've delivered uh, these souls to us, we'll, we'll put them in these androids. So it's actually the souls of his family, which is the one I was thinking about when it's like when we're talking about 1360, and these are four androids that are being contained." And they're being contained because they're androids, so obviously that kind of breaks the veil. And also they have the souls of people in it, so that breaks the veil. But, okay, so just to be clear, his family is being contained in a cell in this horrific existence of an afterlife, sort of, be just because their souls were put into robots. And then it gets crazier, and I think we should probably not spoil the way that it's crazier and just say, no. like, no, 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 if no. you if you are intrigued by the idea of the the moral and ethical and also creative implications of somebody's family being stored inside robots, um, read this article because it has a brilliant twist on that subject at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. I won't. I wasn't going to ruin the, the end of it. Um, yeah, but yeah, they do. No, I didn't think you were. I just yeah. just 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 wanted to get my word in edgewise about how clever it is. Um, I'm not sure if this is the first time that the this treaty was was mentioned. Uh, it's mentioned in some of the other ones. Is the Southern United States Extra Normal Organization Cooperation Theory? That's um, that's basically a thing from the Gulf Canon uh -huh. that kind of explains why the Foundation's so willing to like work with MC and D on like gotcha. a lot of things. Gotcha. Uh, I have not read enough of the Gulf, so that explains my confusion. Um, but yeah, there's a note from uh, the Office of Dark, Mr. Dark, uh, to the director of Site 88 saying, hey, you know, you actually have, and then just list them off. But it turns out that what, you know, it says that it's the family of, but what you find out is it's, these robots are uh, identified and possess the spirit of 39-year-old female named Dolores Jefferson, which we assume is Jefferson's wife, uh, and then, you know, two teens and a, and a young child. Uh, yeah, that's really young, disturbing. Yeah, it's the youngest of which is seven years old, named Jacob Jefferson Jr. Uh, and I mean, this is where I put the note that I originally made earlier on, which was like, you know, arguably the foundation is just uh, containing these people because they're disabled. <laughs> you know, I mean, they've they've got a whole body uh, prosthesis instead of. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a that's great it. sense. That's a great phrase, a whole body prosthesis. I actually yeah. really like that. It is. That's what's happening here, right? That's no, you're exactly correct. These, uh, androids that are just injected with human souls, if that's what they are. That's a tail series ones. title. <laughs> that's a tail series title, man. Full body <laughs> prosthesis. But yeah, this is another one that isn't that long, but it really kind of hits the point very, very, very nicely. I also really appreciate that uh, Sumerian did a really good job making an homage to 
themes that were present in Blade Runner, which ultimately mm. is one of my favorite films. So oh, yeah. um, this was uh, this was really fun on that angle, too, for me as a, a reader. <clears throat> that being one of your favorite films makes perfect sense, given a lot of the stuff you've written for Bat Anderson. Um, yeah. Because that plays with some of the same, you know, in a less supernatural way, but plays with very much yeah. the same idea of, like, identity and personhood. And, you know, yeah. in, a, in a non-boring uh, C. Isaac Asimov way. <laughs> Yeah, I I I mean the the do Android's dream of do Android's dream of electric sheep yep. sort of theme is, is running real strong through all of this. So the, the Blade Runner connections very sensible. Um so the last one we're going to talk about and it's not a tale um was actually your uh, holiday exchange uh from Do- uh gift from Dark Stuff uh last year I think, right? Uh yeah, I believe so and it really was was a great great gift i mean dark stuff is and we've had dark stuff on and we've already spoken much of dark stuff talent it's kind of nuts oh have uh, we have we talented dark stuff is we should talk about that but have we also have we told have we talked about the art exchange before because we just had it oh, yesterday maybe not uh that might be a good idea to do a, a, an article or a, an episode oh an episode on it yeah so yeah the art exchange is it's sort of like secret santa but wiki style, which is uh, there's a thread that goes onto uh, the wiki about you know the art exchange um, for the given year, and people put on a post saying, "I'm willing to contribute. Here's what I'm capable of contributing, uh, whether it's art or writing or music or any number of different things. Um, and here's what I would like. Here's the sorts of things that I want. And then whoever's organizing it tries to match people up in that way." Um, most of the time, it's not people giving gifts to each other, you know. So the person you're getting a gift from is not usually the one you're giving it to. But who knows? And you usually, and oftentimes, you don't even you don't even know the person. Right. So it's it's a good way of of uh, introducing people to each other. And it's also a good way of moving beyond your comfort zone because uh, you, right. you might get a, a, a pitch and you're like, oh, okay, and it forces you to, to think about writing differently, which is always exciting. Yeah, uh, last year I did one for T Rutherford using uh, his. Uh, uh, like MTF, which I can't. I, bull, Gravity's Bullies, I think, or I forget exactly. That was good. Yeah, that was a good one. I struggled, and then finally it just kind of worked. Um, and and Rutherford liked it, so that's all that matters. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's these, always great. Yeah, no, it's very cool. Um, so yeah, these are what frequently happens is articles will come out, <clears throat> and they're like sort of put into anonymous sandboxes so that the gifty can look at them and then the uh, original donor of them will write them and uh, or po- post them uh, and kind of establish that okay this is my gift for fill in the blank and this was dark stuff's uh, gift for you Conwell. it was yeah, two the- years ago actually because I was two. I, you have to this is actually uh one of three gift exchange articles that ended up making it onto uh those twisted pines as a <sighs> Canon. <laughs> oh, you had a good Christmas, eh? <laughs> well, not this year, but like like three of the years I participated, like one year oh, wow. Callan ended one, and like that became the tail realignment, which oh, right. basically springboarded an entire tail series. Um, Dark Stuff did this one, which served as kind of a capstone to a lot of the themes of uh, the Anderson Robotics uh, arc. And then I got one last year from uh, uh, Gavsey, who uh, basically wrote on some of the other characters in the uh, Those Twisted Pines series and really actually wrote a very sweet love story about the two of them that, uh, well, actually it was a very touching uh, article, but 
and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Direwolf by Dark Stuff, which is a yeah. fantastic tale. And, yeah. and Dark Stuff is always weird in these art exchanges because he, when he does one, it's almost always super high effort. A lot, a lot of Dark Stuff's art exchange pieces are very long. This is a long one. He's done long ones before. Sometimes he pinch hits for other authors who didn't submit, and his pinch hits can be extremely long. Uh, and he also reviews everybody's gift yeah. in in a message on the art exchange. And he's organized it before. Didn't do it this year, but he's he's organized the art exchange yeah. before. And anyway, the, this article is amazing because, of course, it is. It's by, by Dark Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is. It's fairly lengthy, but, uh, you know, just kind of... Um, like like I said earlier, you know, Gar stuff is always like really incredible character work, um, and this is no no you know no exception. Um, and at some point, you know, we kind of there's a moment in I think uh, Good Deeds, No Good Deeds, where it's established that, and and it's probably established earlier that Anderson had replaced his like number two, which is Phineas, uh, with an AI that mimicked his personality. Like uh, Phineas had died, I think, and then he made him again in AI form. Is that right? He uh, murdered Phineas. Right. Basically murdered him because uh, Phineas had betrayed him to the foundation. And basically he was like, okay, I'm just going to murder you, take your brain and put it in an AI and then make it so that you didn't betray me because that's what normal, well-adjusted people do. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and with them. Mean, it makes perfect sense. Anybody that <laughs> that's how you do, handle your friends. Anybody that does good deeds just to feel good because they're the hero, uh, it's already kind of a red flag, I think. <laughs> um, and so this is kind of... Uh, a story from the perspective of that AI after it's contained by the foundation. And we get to kind of see uh, kind of going back and forth between the AI's memories of his human life and then his experience uh, within, like what would an AI's experience actually be within that uh, space? Uh, and then also the experience of, of interacting with the uh, foundation. Um, and they've got kind of uh, a growing relationship between one of the, you know, kind of technicians slash researchers uh that's most often interacting with him uh, and it's you know like all of dark stuff's stuff <laughs> uh it's just it's really rich uh and really well written and you won't even notice that it's long i always love when people use uh, three portlands because the, the little glimpses of it are always completely batshit insane okay. and the batshit insanity is just just described as as though it's not because the, the the three portlands flashbacks for phineas start with so i'm riding down the street in my clockwork dragon <laughs> pardon right as one does as one does uh, or i really like this one i rode a bike through the psychedelia you don't need drugs for that's a great line it's really good um but yeah it's a really human sort of story um and and uh, you even get to see what an ai might be uh, scared of in this situation uh, which is anderson still <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so good. Uh, so before we go into emails, uh, you know, Kamal, do you want to give any sort of closing thoughts about you know your thought, you know, the 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 state of Anderson and and whether or not you know you've got a future with it or uh, you know just open for other people or whatever. I mean, I'm always going to write Anderson Robotics articles as they come to me. Nice. Um, I don't think I've kind of closed that permanently, but I do think that I've kind of put my signature on the overarching tail arc I did with it and decided to like let that be just because uh, at a certain point as a creator I feel like you need to put a signature on the project and walk away and let it be its thing and I feel like I've achieved that with the 
big overarching tail arc for Anderson. And there's probably a lot of fertile ground in those Twisted Pines for oh, people yeah. to continue and kind of like play around in there. But for me, like it's kind of just satisfying to like just finally look back at this thing that I created that I had other people help me with and help build over the course of almost 10 years and be like, yes, that is what I did. That is the thing on the wiki that'll be here forevermore as my contribution to the canon. I mean, Excellent. it's fucking, it's an incredibly rich narrative world that you've helped create uh, and a lot of really narratively rich characters. Uh, and yeah, you like multiple times you've come to a conclusion that you were satisfied with and the idea that you're at least leaving yourself open to like telling some random story if you want to later on, but also feeling satisfied with it is, I mean, that's, that's great. I want to be I mean, there with my series at some point. Yeah. Soon. I mean, everybody should aspire to that. And like, um, I, I think you have every reason to be proud of it because yeah. like all of the stuff that's written by third law brain trust or those twisted pines authors, you, you pick up one of these and you can almost immediately, even if you didn't notice when you clicked on it, tell that it's part of this constellation of stuff because the bar for the quality of what's being written is considerably higher than you might expect from some random article. This is all high quality stuff that's actually worth looking back on and going, I did that. So I hope you are proud. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so we've got some emails in. Thank you for not forgetting about us listeners. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll, maybe I'll read this first one. Harry, you read the second one, and then Conway, you can read the third one. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Uh, so this first one is from Teeth, uh, and this first sentence makes no sense, but it's again a me, not Mario, but instead those little bone things in your mouth, which are—I believe it's enamel. I don't believe teeth are bones. Anyway, wait, 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 uh, we yeah. got a doctor. You're not a dentist, but are our teeth bones, Conway? <laughs> Uh, technically, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> they are part of your skeletal system. Okay. Right. Well, well, there, there you, you go. go. Medical opinion uh, recorded forever. Got it from the doctor's mouth. <laughs> uh, anyways, it's great <laughs> mixing all of them metaphors. I know. Anyway, it's great to listen to the show again. Fun fact: the last time I did, I was second. It was the second it dropped. Stranded in the middle of nowhere, dressed as Carl Heisenberg, didn't stop me. I don't. Teether, you all right? What happened? Yeah, I, I think this is the psychedelia we were hearing I know. about. Let's hope this time I'm somewhere more comfortable. I hope you are too, because I didn't understand that at all. Preferably also not parading as tetanus incarnate. What? What is going on? What? what? Is this for? Is I this love an AI an, uh, artist on uh, Twitter who's done some stuff for us and for Rounder House a bunch and a whole bunch of other people. Very super talented, but I'm now worried for them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was very curious as to what the next topic would be, and absolutely no surprise, it was another GOI I only had the teeniest clue about. I'm excited to learn more about Anderson Robotics from U3, and seeing as I pretty much know about the company is the last part of their name. Uh, to add to my arsenal of knowledge. It should come as no surprise how much this show has helped me understand and catch up, even just a little bit, on the wiki. I was pretty much on square one until this podcast came into my sites and helped me out, uh, even off-site and in the community as a whole. But to prevent me from getting too sappy, I'll stop myself there and instead wish you guys a swift and flawless recording. I cannot wait to hear it. Uh, no, I'm serious. I jumped to the future as soon as this was sent. And it's, it was an absolutely wonderful episode, as always. Okay, congratulations, everyone. Pizza. Oh, so it was the time travel that drove them insane. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's the, it's time lag, but like legitimately time lag. <laughs> uh, um. Oh, I do want to say I misspoke. Teeth are technically not bones. Ah 
There we go. I thought not. They are they are like bones, but they are technically not bones, which is why I am not a dentist. I am a MD. There you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, yes, we can't be giving out false medical advice. We probably shouldn't be giving out medical advice at all because we <laughs> because we are a podcast. That's, but we do have a doctor with us. That's true. All, all right. So it's my it's my turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's from JTKC, JTKC, otherwise known as JTKC. <laughs> it's hard to read that. I don't know why. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Glad to have the podcast back after a month. Hey, guys. I think it's two. More than that now, yeah. Anyways, Anderson Robotics, one of the older GOIs, but I personally am not a fan of the GOI since a lot of other groups can cover the surface level themes of technology to the broken like i possibly disagree with this harder but every so often there's an article that really leans into what makes anderson unique i'm guessing this is going to be discussed in the episode seriously prometheus labs like the the the, or the the, factory was the other example of ones the vanilla ice cream of group of interests i'm I'm gonna ban jtkc from right (laughs) you're not allowed to have opinions anymore All right, here are some of my faves. 4760 by DJ Cactus. I think this is the ideal Anderson skip for me in terms of tone and themes, where the Foundation is picking up the pieces of some experiment gone wrong. Most mysteries go from point A to B, but this one gives up A and B at the start while we figure out how they connect. 5762 by Rounder House subverts the usually gruesome and unethical tone of most Anderson stuff, and I love cute stuff. Wow, that is a possible big misreading of that article. Yeah! (laughs) I think think you should go back to what we said about that article earlier and see how quite dark it actually was. Well, there you go. Uh, But it's still funny, to be fair. It is still funny. So, uh, yeah, well, it's Rounder House. So, questions. What makes a GOI unique? That's the first of two questions. Well, I I think, honestly, the thing that makes them unique, a lot of these are, you know, fairly um, obvious stereotypes of, like, supernatural uh, groups within other, within fiction as a large, you know, as a whole. Uh, what makes them kind of separate is that, that way that they organically grow, obviously, through collaboration, but also... Um, it's often used because of the way that we want to get people interested in GOIs, um, whether you're doing it as an established one or or not, is is to kind of like peak interest in them. And so, as opposed to like novels or TV where you'll just get like lore dumps, uh, GOIs are supernatural groups or you know science fiction groups. Either way, uh, that are you know as often not explained uh, and mostly just interested in like peaking people's like intrigued you know like just dropping the name anderson a few times in the first few articles stuff like that i think that's what really makes them unique i mean from my perspective what makes anderson stand out from a lot of the other GOIs, which like granted there are i think half of the GOI list is like group what sells anomalous anomalous (laughs) thing no i think that used to be true not as much anymore Nah, but uh, it's still probably a solid third. Yeah, of them. yeah. which makes entertainment, like entertainment, yeah. and Prometheus and Anderson and Herman Fuller. Those they're all and Marsh Carter and Dark, obviously. Um, I think it's really the characterization of it. Uh, I think I think Anderson Robotics takes a different uh, role on it than uh, say someone who might be writing for Prometheus Labs might take, and I think also uh, 
kind of the uh, the voice that you can get with a lot of this is uh, uh, what really makes it stand out. I think uh, Anderson Robotics as a group has a more consolidated voice by virtue of 90% of the work being written by one person. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do it. Yeah. What but, makes uh, a GOI unique? This one's mine. That's what makes it unique. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I think really it's not so much what makes a GOI unique. It's what you can do with that GOI that yeah. will really make it unique and stand out from other things on the, on the list. Yeah. I mean, you know, people definitely mentioned with victim a few times. It's like, well, it's like analog horror. And it's like, sure. I can see where you would make that connection. But like, if you can't tell the fact that there's like wildly something different going on, then, you know, the back rooms by K pixels or some other analog horror, um, you know, it, it, how can you make this thing stand out from other aspects of it? You know, the idea of a secretive technological company, yeah, you know, we've seen stuff like that before. We'll, we will see it again. Uh, and like right from the beginning, I feel like, you know, we, we the premise is already kind of setting itself apart. But then, you know, you using it as a vehicle and other people using it as a vehicle to tell like these really human stories. I think it's funny that I've gone in like a wildly different direction with Victim and that I refuse to tell any like deep human stories. And instead you just get these little nitpicks of like personality and then refuse to explain anything more. <laughs> chooses to elaborate and leaves i do yes. in conversations it's great people will be like oh i have a question for you and they'll ping me in one of the discords i'm like oh cool do you uh, will you answer a question about uh victim yeah and then they'll be like well what is this word and i'm like no comment <laughs> <laughs> that's an answer <laughs> because i just like there i mean there are things i will answer and i have but if it's like about the origins or how they do what they do or why they're doing what they're doing no you can read the article, and the things will be explained, I think, fairly transparently between the lines. Um, but it blows me away how often people are still like, but wait, what are they really doing? <laughs> no VKTM real. That's right. So what's that other question? What's your favorite draft slash idea that you've scrapped? I have not scrapped any. I have temporarily scrapped uh an idea for a for a dash j um that i will not explain <laughs> because then someone will steal it <laughs> but same i guess i guess everybody's probably got a scrap j yeah well i would never have done a j except for i have never gotten this title out of my head and i need to write it <laughs> nice anyway conwell have you scrapped something I've scrapped a couple of things. The one that I'll probably talk about, other than a J, that was basically what if everything was pumpkin spice? Because I <laughs> went for a very low hanging fruit on my sure. staff at a J. Still got a joke. I um, get you. Laugh out of both of us. So that's all that matters. <laughs> uh, was I wrote a tale about Dr. Actus way back when and uh, basically featured him reflecting on the loss of different colleagues during funer funerals over his lifetime. And I was doing this weird format thing where like every other line was a new paragraph in a different font, in a different color. And the story read pretty coherently, but like it turns out that each of those different fonts and colors correlated to a different funeral. And then it was the big reveal that eventually came out. And I think in one of Cactus's tales was that Dr. Actus has both died and been resurrected. Um, I scrapped it largely due to uh, losing interest over it. Like a lot of people had pretty mid results when I was, uh, going through it like at the time of writing it and then 
I put it on the back burner for a while and then lost interest in it. And then Dr. Actus or Director Actus um, kind of fell out of relevance over time on the site, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that happens. That's the other thing that's, you know, the problem with writing on the wiki is that sometimes you just kind of put things to the side and then you have other ideas and it's just, you know, it's just there. The longer you're there, the more incomplete ideas you have. And then eventually you have so many of them that it's, it's hard to get to all of them. Um, yeah, so... Uh, Except for me. I've never scrapped anything. <laughs> I, I have never I, done anything wrong, ever. No, I never, never once. Until recently, until relatively recently, had never had a draft that, not eventually, that did not eventually get on the wiki and it's still on the wiki. The only thing that is not is this, what, this thing that I've mentioned. Hmm. And whatever I'm working on right now, obviously. Right. Um, come on, you want to read this last one? Yeah, so this last one is from Real Surreal Sir. Um, <laughs> mm, that's such a fun name. name. Such it really is. Yeah, it's it's just... Mm. Uh, good to see an Anderson Robotics episode, because even among SCP GOIs with somewhat set backstories, AR has always seemed prone to incongruent and almost random aims. Random. <laughs> Take uh, that. Let the, let's go. Let's rewind an hour and a half where you talk about how you had planned out this entire tale series. You're like, hey, how dare you? <laughs> I feel like throwing tomatoes at our emails this week. I don't understand what's wrong with these people. Uh, the incongruence of one person. Uh, Here comes a new tale series, The Incongruence of Vincent Anderson. Um, not much to ask this time around that I'd think you wouldn't touch on, so I'll ask a more general question or two I'd really like to know. Uh, what are y'all's advice slash takes on approaching GOI formats, if there even is any possible broad advice? Um, and then the second question is, what determines which GOIs even get their own formats? Second oh, question. Can I go? Easy. Can, can I go first on that question? Yeah. Go for it. Harry Blank has a total of 146 pages, 47 SCPs, 79 tales, zero GOI formats, 20 others. That's my answer to the question. <laughs> Yeah, I also do not have any GUI formats. But I will say, in answer to the second one, in what determines which GUIs get their own formats, is whether or not somebody, you know, is interested enough to make them and they catch on or not. And so few of them have caught on. Yeah. And most of them are like, bad. Not bad stories, not bad articles. But most the of Wilson's format is good. That's yeah. true. But most of the yeah. formats, I think, are visually unappealing. And, uh, oh, God, they're so ugly. Yeah. Uh, yep. And the MC and D one is the fucking ugliest. Yeah, goddamn but but so many of the GUI formats are, are bad looking. But even the ones that aren't bad looking, which like I do really like the UIU one because I'm kind of a sucker for like a file format thing. Oh, that's cool. Um, the UIU format's good. But also, I don't feel like they're always the most conducive way to tell a story. So um, you know, it's cool. I, I think it's fun that people get a kick out of them. But I don't really find them that interesting um, personally, which is why I haven't written one. I've only written one, uh, and that was a uh, Serpent's Hand format for the MTF contest for my fun. team that uh, didn't uh, end up panning out because we had someone drop out last second. But um, I really like the uh, Serpent's Hand format just because yeah. you can have like all these really pedantic Serpent's Hand members arguing in the footnotes. So, yeah, that is which, that is very fun. It's a very it's it's very, it can be very funny, and it can also be like interesting in the fact that it like hints at like a lot more stuff going on 
Um, but really what determines if a GOI gets their own format is if someone creates one. Like Anderson Robotics has one GOI format article on the wiki right now. And if someone wanted to make one for the uh, after death canon. And honestly, I have to say they told a good story using this format yeah, about a basically a replacement body and it was such a smash hit example that it really isn't going to be a difficult act to follow <laughs> like honestly i never really like i always felt that tales and uh art uh, scp articles were the best way to tell yeah. the stories i wanted to with anderson robotics but like this one just came in nailed it and left and it's just going to be such a hard act to follow i don't even want to try to take a stab at it personally who wrote that one Oh man, I'd have to double check. I, I remember reading it when I went through After Death, which is, which is an amazing canon. End of Death. End of Death, sorry. Yeah. I, I'm saying it's amazing, I can't even remember its title. <laughs> but everybody agrees. Like, I, don't think, I don't think anybody has a negative opinion of End of Death. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, I think I... I I'm just looking at the hub to try to see if we can find it's okay. this. Uh... It's not okay. I'm worried about it. It's dead I'm, <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not worried about it. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I, I found it. it. Okay. It's Anderson Robotics Installation Guide. Your new Buteo series mechanical exoskeleton. Is that the one? Because it looks like a GOI. That is format. it. Yeah. yeah the only it one. Is, it's the one, and it is by Othello the Cat. Oh. With I think likes doing GOI formats. Yeah. Yeah, because I seem to have. I, I'm, I'm sure I saw that when I was trying to uh, looking through this, the Chaos Insurgency <laughs> ones as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we did a CI episode that we one. sure did somehow. And the secret was at the end make an article that's not about the CI. That's how you make a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, let's get the heck out of here. Uh, so uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at s i m c r e a t, which is you know sim create. Um, what that is yeah uh my twitter is at gregory carpin uh spelled just like my name mine is at harry blank scp which stands for scp uh come on you have a twitter you want to plug or anything else you might want to plug uh no i don't tweet because i kind of missed that train wait you did what (laughs) You I, I, kind of, I missed that train. Oh, that's good because the train's going off the rails. Yeah, it's it's, it's a bad scene right now. All right. Uh, well, uh, I I hope the readers feel or the readers, uh, the soon to be readers of these articles and other ones. We'll be transcribing uh, this whole podcast. Uh, feel kind of informed. Uh, thank you for coming on, Conwell. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was really great doing doing this with anybody else would have made zero sense so i'm glad, yeah, no I'm glad you're up for it <laughs> uh but yeah uh we will see you next time which will be relatively soon i hope mm-hmm. beep boop <laughs> and good night folks <laughs>